Hello. Today's guests are a couple of good friends of mine, Mark Anderson, who is a classical guitar player based out of Chicago, and Eric Anderson, also a guitar player, but a couple of years ago took a pretty dramatic career path change to pursue medicine and is now working on an MD-PhD. If you like my content, like, subscribe, or leave a comment below. And if you like my content generally, please consider contributing to my Patreon account listed below as well. Welcome to Music in Mind with Anthony Calkins. <laughs> Hi guys. Hi Anthony. Hey. Hello. Hello. So I'm Anthony Calkins and I'm with a couple of good friends of mine, Eric Anderson and Mark Anderson, both guitar players, mm -hmm. except one of them. Yeah, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that out right away. Yeah, you quit. Can yeah, I yeah. say something real quick? Yeah, yeah. I course. didn't realize, I've known Anthony for eight years, I didn't realize, or nine years, I didn't realize it's Calkins. I always said Calkins. Oh. Yeah, yeah we, heard, we heard you pronouncing it. You're like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Just <Yeah>. now? <laughs> you feel like you had a panic. Uh, yes, a little bit. <laughs> you're like, oh, Did shit. Did you see it? <laughs> anyway, I apologize. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So, <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way. So. Yeah. All right, yep. so uh, what have you guys been up to? <laughs> I already talked. All right, all right, well, here, let's start with Eric. Cause, uh, oh, God. Good, good okay, example. well, I just just learned that your name's Calkins. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, um, so I'm currently in medical school, and uh, I still play a little bit of music, but I went to UW-Madison uh, with Anthony. We were both in the guitar program there. Um, here? Here, yeah, here. And, <laughs> UW-Madison. Uh, yes, in all its On glory. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's how we met. And... Um, yeah, so I, after I left college, I was playing a lot of, I cut my nails, we were, I was a classical guitar, cut my nails, was playing a lot of steel string, um, and came out with albums, shout out to myself, Son of Anders, <laughs> <laughs> on Spotify and Apple Music. Yeah. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> but now I really don't play much. I was doing a little bit of like Barrios, La Catedral, and all that fun stuff, just to keep it up, but... I've been playing more piano now than really cool. guitar. Do you have a piano? Yeah, just got a like an electric piano um, and trying to work my way through the well-tempered clavier. One, wow. one thing at a time. I want to be Glenn Gould. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I figure it's never too late, right? Yeah, you just got to play cross-legged. Yeah. Sing while you play. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. So that's what I've been doing. So, uh, so I finished a master's in music uh, a couple of years ago and... I have sort of ambivalent feelings about the whole thing, mm. music, music in the university in general. Sure. So, I feel like we've talked a little bit about it, and yeah, you know, we've talked about misgivings and stuff like that. So, what made you want to switch from music to medical school? Yeah. Well, uh, you told me sort of that we were going to get into this before, yeah. and so I thought about it, and I was like, should I be completely honest, or should yeah. I? Because I sugarcoated it a little bit, because I obviously talked about it in my apps. Also, just as a side note, I can edit out. No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm going to come off as a douche anyway, so okay. I can't edit at all. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, um, mo like if I'm being completely honest, I felt like I put a ton of time into classical guitar. I mean, Mark's classical guitarist as well taught me most of what I know. We would talk for hours about just technique and, 
intricacies and same with yeah. us. I mean, and then you just go and like there'd be ten people at the at the, <laughs> at the concert, and yeah. it's just I got kind of tired of not having all of my work. All the work that you put into something is just like the appreciation. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of musicians out there who feel this, mm-hmm. and I was just like was able to somehow switch that dedication to the, the practice to just studying and basically just did that and also was lucky enough to really have a genuine interest in like biology and chemistry and all the things that you have to take to get into medical school that I was able to switch gears and basically just change focus and to something that you know a lot of people appreciate yeah so you know I, I don't appreciate medicine no, yeah, well, I mean that's true. They are, a lot of a lot of doctors get a lot of crap, and for good reason. There's a lot of you know problems in the industry, but uh, but you know at the end of the day, uh, at least it's easier for people to understand why they should value a doctor than unfortunately why they should value a musician. Not saying that, and I I think you should value a musician. It's just something I yeah you know struggled with, and just eventually was like, all right, I'm gonna just go this way, and. I'm very happy going this way, but there's definitely times where I'm like, dang, I don't play nearly as much music as I used to, and I miss swear on this. Yeah. You could say, damn. Yeah, but but you (laughs) have a reputation to keep (laughs) as a, you know, anyway. Uh, Can I jump in here? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of of interesting, like, you know, I think our generations are brought up to, you know, like, follow your dreams, Mm -hmm. right? And I... I know a lot of people that say, and I don't know that they're being insincere either, but they say, like, you know, this is what I've always wanted to do, mm-hmm. like, and they have that, like, strong passion. I love doing music. I love teaching. I love playing. But I feel like there's probably a lot of things I could have been happy with. And yeah. so it's, it's, I think, sometimes difficult for people to see what, like, Eric did here and wrap their heads around, like, oh, he gave up music and he went into medicine. It's, you know... You know why? Why couldn't he be happy doing any number of things? Right. I, I think I could have been. I'm doing music, so I'm gonna probably stick with it. But, yeah. You know, that's not to say like this is this was my calling. You know, and this is what I had to be doing. Um, and then to, to like backtrack a little further, you were talking about how you guys have had conversations about issues with music in the academy. Yeah. Um, Without going, giving too much background, should I look at the camera or should I look at you? Just me, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Without giving too much background. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, you know, my main teaching gigs for the last, like, seven years have been adjuncting in university. Right. And now this summer, maybe I shouldn't make this public yet. Uh, no, I can make this public, right? Um, I'm still going to be teaching at one of the universities, mm-hmm. but I'm leaving one and I'm um, adding like five mornings a week of teaching preschool music classes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And part of it, part of it's finding the opportunities that present themselves, but part of it is like, honestly, like I have a hard time trying to convince, you know, 17 and 18 year olds and their parents that you should pay this amount of money to come study at the school right. guitar with me, you know? Yeah. That's a tough sell, because yeah, it's, it's a weird... Like, I... If I had the chance, I would probably do it over again the same way and go to grad school where I did and pay yeah. the money I did and take on the loans that I did. But it's not a great return on investment. Right. You know, I'm very satisfied with my life and my career. I love all the teaching I'm doing. I wouldn't be doing the activities I'm doing if I hadn't gone there. And so for me, it's, it's worth the money. 
but the amount of money that it costs, it doesn't pay back in this field of work. Right. I mean, it's a weird field of work because, like, is. in the medical industry, in theory, you get, you do your work, you get, get your degree, you do residency, mm -hmm. you, you start working, yeah. doing a practical job that you study <laughs> and been trained to do. Versus in music school, mm -hmm. to be a professional musician, you don't need a degree. Nobody mm -hmm. asks. You just need to be good enough. You need to be good enough. Which I wasn't until I went to grad school. Right. I mean, there, there is that. But the degree just helps you teach. Exactly. And so it's just this cycle that keeps going. Yeah. And there's this idea, and it's like, it's sort of offensive to music faculty. But the idea that an institute of higher learning, a research institution, is host, is has a music department is very weird to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does it mean to have a PhD in music, to be a researcher of music? Because you're not doing research like a scientific researcher. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know. I thought you are, you, you do a thesis, right? And you go into the literature. And, I don't know, you're not doing experiments, maybe. Right, it's just what does research mean sure. in the context Here's of music? Here's a question, I don't know the answer to it, but is it different than sort of general humanities research? Like, is it just the yeah. difference between the humanities and the hard sciences, or is it even further than that? I mean, I think it depends. If you're talking about musicologists, yeah. it's probably close to a historian or something like that. And I have some misgivings about Calling what research, research means in that context also, mm -hmm. at least in the strictest sense, in terms of, like... You'd rather be doing medical experiments. Yes, <laughs> obviously. You should call this. Yeah, right. That's why we're here. I, I need some. Uh, can we go back tips? to the yeast lab? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if I could just, when you were talking, so I don't know if I can't remember if we said, but we're brothers. We're brothers. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't. It's say. okay. If you can't tell, um, and uh, Mark is five years older than me, and we have a sister who's who's seven years older than me, two years older than Mark, and. Uh, all of us went in to get music degrees. You know, I, I did get a music degree, I should say. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't completely, you know, quit. I finished it out. I just got another degree as well. Um, but uh, one thing that was a major calculus in my head for why I should leave is looking at them and seeing how much debt they got in. Right. I mean, I had the like the yeah. perspective of thanks to yeah. my well, older I mean, siblings. Value is yeah. confusing with music. Right? It is confusing. Yeah. And so, like, I just also, like, I, you know, sometimes I forget, but that was a big thing that, like, made me think, like, do I want to go in and get a bunch of debt to get a master's and then a PhD so that I can teach? And, mm -hmm. I know, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and teaching doesn't even pay that well. Right. So getting out of debt isn't the easiest. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, like, to get back to what you're talking about with these... Um, like research degrees in music, um, whatever you want to call it, like there is interesting academic work being done in music. Of course, I agree. But, you know, it seems like a big part of the foundation of these research centers for music is to be able to give musicians PhDs to then be able to hire them as faculty yeah, members. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, like I'll never get a full-time academy job because... I don't have my terminal degree. Right. Even though, as a performer, my terminal degree should just be the performance degree. Yeah, of course. Is, you know, so. But there isn't a job. You can't right. go on Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, the yeah. other critical thing that we've talked about that you don't get from music degrees, or maybe, maybe you are now, uh -huh. but certainly not when we were in school, is they don't teach you about marketing at all. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think some do, but I think even programs that do are not 
great at it. Some of them are behind more. But that's such um, an important part of music that it's like. But it's just the machine of higher right. higher right. education. It's so yeah. slow. So they're going to be talking about it things that slow. are five, ten years old. So yeah, I mean, I don't know how current they are, but some schools do have a big emphasis on that. Shout out to Milliken University. <laughs> um, they, yeah. I mean, they have a pretty robust commercial music mm-hmm. and music business program yeah. there. And like the, the full-time guitar teacher there, he did his PhD. It was actually in education and his study was music entrepreneurship programs in right. universities. Ah, and they brought him in cool. because he has this background in teaching entrepreneurship. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it, it, it still gets down to you know this, and he's, he's a very smart guy, a hard worker, good teacher. Yeah. But it gets down to this thing of he also hasn't had the type of career that a lot of his graduates will have. Right. You know, he went, he studied jazz, and then he had a gig playing with the Marine Corps Jazz Band, which is, you know, a full-time steady performance gig. Mm-hmm. It's not something that puts you in the same type of entrepreneurial uh, position that freelancing does, right. which is what a lot of people will do when they get out of, out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, I don't know, I mean, they are running these courses, but now he's also living in Decatur, Illinois, where, you know, you talk about sort of how slow the academy is. Not only that, but how far behind is he going to fall from modern trends? Yeah. Because Decatur is kind of an isolated environment. So I, I don't know. He's still pretty new there, and I don't think he's out of date right now. Yeah. But well, I always kind of wonder about that. But uh, so does is it required of the performance majors to take a music business class then, or is it I just they have? That's what I, that's kind of my point. Is that's a good there's question, schools yeah. that have music business degrees, and you can go in and do a specialty in that. Yeah. But it's a matter of getting the performance majors to yeah. learn about marketing because it's like if you're going to be an independent musician, you need to know how to market yourself, as mm-hmm. you know, both true. of you know. But then there's also programs that I think focus too heavily on. Mm, and it sure. sort of ruins the idea of a space for musicians to work on music. But even mm-hmm. to have one class for this, yeah, of course, you need a website. Here's how you write an email to a venue. Like, you know, <laughs> here's how not to write an email to a venue. Actually, email etiquette is like a big thing that we need to focus on. Kids, kids coming now. Kids coming nowadays just knowing how to text. So yeah. I'll get emails where <laughs> LOL. It's all lowercase. Yeah. They don't yeah. like address no me in it. Yeah, yeah. it's like yep. What do you think this is? <laughs> <laughs> I come in with a suit. What, what's my name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Mark. Was this yeah, to me? Mr. Mark, yeah. 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 So, kids these days. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come on. I'm still 27. Come on. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 There. yeah. Am I the old guy that now? Kurt Cobain age. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, cool. So, are you performing a lot still? Uh, I'm performing. Uh-huh. Um, you have a you have a duo, a classical guitar duo, a duo, duo tandem. I have a duo. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I've been trying to be more active about finding other things because, like, with the duo, for our listeners, duo tandem. Duo I live tandem. in Chicago, and <laughs> check it out, duo um, tandem. <laughs> yes, the other half of duo tandem, um, Najati, he lives in London, so logistically our mm-hmm. performances are sort of hard to schedule. So, you know, like, we don't perform, you know, like, every week or something. Um, and so I've been trying to find more solo things. I'm doing a couple things with some singers coming up. 
I did some gigs with our sister about a month ago. Um, I've been finding. We did a gig. <laughs> we did a gig? Uh, I mean the the Anderson holiday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so I mean, I'll, I've been trying to find more stuff. Like I, cool. I look at people like you that are very active, just kind of playing a lot. Yeah. Like, hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to play guitar. <laughs> Like it's maybe, true, but I get really burned out, too, on playing other people's stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, most of the gigs I do are things I want to play. Right. Um, one thing I've been doing for the last six months or so, there's an organization called Root Muse. Yeah. Are you familiar with them? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I've done, I think, six house concerts with them, mm-hmm. which has been fun. Because, again, it's, you get to plan your, your program. Do you um, see Group Muse as being something that might become bigger take off more or do you think it'll kind of stay at the in what in what way do you mean take off in terms um, of like just the amount that it's going on or in terms of the income potential either both okay. i don't know i i think it's a it's a good it's a good way for classical musicians and non-tradition or non-standard forms like not pop music yeah. to be able to get out and perform because mm-hmm. I remember when I was in school here playing classical guitar even the idea of trying to get out and gig was a little bit confusing as to what that would mean and yeah. like, do you I don't always want to play coffee shops and it, so. it's it still is yeah um, to go on a quick tangent we watched a documentary about Robin Williams and like talking about his early days of just doing stand-up mm-hmm. like every night yep. all these different sets and the way you really sort of hone your craft and I'm thinking about it in terms of also the way you hone your stage presence. You right. Know, Learning to be, how to communicate. The ability yeah, to get right. up in front of people. And like I think I've got a much better feel for that now, but I think it still takes me all to warm up. And I was thinking, man, you know, if I could just play more, yeah. I could work on this element. But then I'm thinking, like, well, how do I book, you know, weekly classical guitar games? Yeah. That's hard. So group muse I've been able to do roughly once a month, yeah. which has been nice. And also the fact that it's potentially paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've made money at all of them, but the amount of money is pretty variable based on how many people sure. are there. You know? But I think what it does is it allows you to have, uh, to start to value your own performance, too. Because it's mm-hmm. a big problem if you're just doing coffee shop gigs where there's no pay right. and you've asked to play, to play there. The, the idea of value is you're putting in everything and getting <laughs> almost nothing out of it. Right, yeah. And so I think it's important to have those well, areas for people to cool. get the, the value feedback. Group Muse is cool because not only do you make some money off of it, but because it's not like just a coffee shop or something. Like it's somewhere where people are there to hear you play. Yeah. So you get just a lot of, um, like the audience interaction for me has always been very positive and strong in yeah. these events. Um, because they're there to hear you play, because it's an intimate setting where there is no sort of barrier between you, right. so the interaction is very free and open, and then because um, it's been mostly for me audiences that are not typical classical music listeners, so yeah. I get to sort of introduce them to that, and I get to bring them into that world of something different for them, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's always been a very positive experience in that regard. Um, so I've really liked them. Um, in Chicago, it's been very slow going. Like in the fall, the founders like flew in to do some kickoff events, and they hired somebody to do audience outreach, like a mm-hmm. you know a part time employee in the city. 
And they were saying in, you know, New York and Boston, like, there's group music going on every night. Yeah. And it just sort of mm-hmm. went, I don't know how active it is in L.A., but they said it really yeah. took off just through word of mouth, just on their own. They didn't have to do cool. anything. Um, but, I, you know, it's, it's also not a perfect system. I mean, for someone like you, you know, they stipulate, and I think when you try to get a gig, unless you set it up with a host specifically, right. if you sub... The way it works is like you can reach out to hosts and organize something mm-hmm. or hosts will say, I want to do an event. And then as a musician in their system, you'll get an email and you can submit a program. Yeah. And I think it's them who submit the programs and they specifically say like your program must include at least 50% standard classical repertoire. And I don't know how they determine that. And as a guitarist, I look at that and I say, well, you know, here's all these composers that if you don't know guitar music, you've probably never heard of. Right. How are you judging my program? Yeah, what's classical And, you know, what if you want to put your own compositions out? By the way, you had a composition performed in Chicago recently. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I was not able to to that one. Calkins. (laughs) Yes. Duo for bass and guitar. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Liz Clawson, Eric. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> Fellow Eric. Yeah, yeah, you're real good with names. I'm you? great. Yeah. yeah. Son of Anders. <laughs> Son of Anders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You're like the hype man. I'm plugging everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll put links. Yeah. I'll be there. But no, I mean it's. So I don't know. I don't know how they navigate that. Yeah. You know, in terms of, they don't give a space necessarily. At least on the face, they don't give a space for somebody who's trying to do something different. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, to an extent, that's fine. Like they created this platform, they decided this is our identity. They have every right to do that. Right. And sometimes, the more clear you can make the identity, the easier it is yeah, to of course. get people on board. So, um, you know, that's totally fine. But it does have its limits. Yeah. You know? I don't know how they'd feel about you saying I want to do something with electronics. I don't know if they'd be into that. Yeah. Again, I think if you find a host and then you guys coordinate it through the platform, I don't think they tell you, no, you can't do it. Right. They don't seem that, um, I don't think they're trying to be assholes about it. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think they just, again, they have sort of, this is our, our thing, Yeah. So. It's weird to think of like scenes and stuff and how they're how they're created like that. Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, because it seems like trying to build sort of a classical music scene and mm-hmm. sort of a salon style. Right. Like that. Yeah. But yeah. It's a cool idea, and it's, uh, I think for a lot of people, it's a nicer way to hear classical music as yeah. opposed to, you know, going downtown to the, you know, symphony. Well, it's connected, at least. It's connected. Um, it's not a bunch of old people listening to music they don't yeah. care about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like Chicago has a, a scene for classical music? I don't know. I'm not very, <laughs> I'm not very, very well hip. connected. <laughs> no, and you know, case in point, I was just looking up... Um, well, they have a classical revolution. I was just, uh, <laughs> I was just on Instagram. Nice. Um, Shout and out to Instagram. <laughs> a, a post of a, uh, a friend of mine, a guitarist, and a knife. Uh, Fujiwara popped up and I was just looking back I hadn't like I don't go on Instagram often enough and so I was scrolling back through her old posts and I saw one apparently a month ago we had the inaugural Chicago Classical Guitar Festival 
I had no oh. idea. Nobody told me. What? So I'm not, I don't know what's going okay. on in my city. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you know about it? I don't think so. Did they tell you? Did yeah, you yeah. Get the memo? Uh, yeah. My invite was lost in the mail. Yeah. No, I don't know. So I'm not very well um, connected. Um, I probably should be more so. Um, I know there's like, I mean, the Chicago Symphony is very well regarded. Yeah, of course. We have opera. Um, yeah, but that that begs a question of you know I no idea how they marketed that, mm-hmm. but who knows? Like maybe they didn't market it well enough too. It right. might not necessarily musicians be musicians are notoriously terrible. Yeah. This, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I saw I saw an interesting argument on Facebook the other day on some like L.A. musicians thing, and uh, it was somebody trying to take down promoters. So there's this system, I, I mean, it's probably everywhere, but yeah. like every now and then I'll get contacted by people who are trying to promote. Well, not promoters, bookers, actually. Mm-hmm. So they're like, uh, just, you know, you buy 30 tickets ahead of time and then you sell them to your own show. Right. And then if not, you just eat the cost. And then in exchange, you get to play at these places. Yeah. And it's this thing, and it's taking over like the entire LA live music yeah, scene. Yeah, you were telling yeah, me about I hate those. Yeah, it's so annoying. And... So the the argument was just like, well, why, why would anybody pay bookers to not do any just to like not book? Right. So they've like set it up something you could do with an email, mm-hmm. and then you're having to buy tickets to your own show. Right. No, and it's like if I want to, I can go out and hire a venue, and effectively I'm doing that. Right. And then I have total control over it. Yeah. So why wouldn't I just do that if I want to spend the money? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's. But it's also hard on the other end to try and build, build value for yourself, build right. an audience. No, it's very hard. Najat um, and I have been talking about that. We've done a lot of performances in the last couple of years where we hire the venue. Right. And it's great in terms of being able to put on our production the way mm-hmm. we want to. But it's not good for building an audience because you're going to invite people and it's going to be the people you know. Exactly. It's not going to be new people that you can bring into your world. Yeah. So it's really challenging for audience building unless you're a really savvy marketer, which we're not. Yeah. Seems like the one of the best ways that people get audience these days are with podcasts. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah am I so. going to get new fans? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> no, I mean, it's something... At least for comedians. Because we've all talked about comedians a lot. Mm-hmm. And like the com- we went to the comedy store in yeah. Los Angeles. And I, I really like that model, and I wish there was something like that for musicians to... J- so, oh, yeah. So professional-level musicians, you know, they get passed at a venue, and they get to do 15 minutes or mm-hmm. something like that. Short sets all the time. Hmm. With new audiences, how hard would it be to set that up? I don't know. I've thought like about particularly it. Like with getting a like a business loan or something. Particularly with like music schools, right? Yeah, you get the students to come in. It gives them a platform to hone their craft. It gives you an, uh, a product. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but who would go out to that? I wonder. Well, if I don't you know. Right I think you need to build this. Like the the comedy store has a has a thing that's been built up around it. Mm-hmm. It has a name. This what? is why I'm curious about scenes. Like it's an interesting idea of how they exist. What's the economic model of that? What do I mean? Do the comedians make very little? And so they just know. I mean, I'm only doing 15 minutes, so I can't yeah. expect to make you know a hundred dollars or something. I mean, they might make a. I don't. I don't know what Maybe they make, but I don't think that's the big money maker for them. Right. I think it's a workout. Yeah, I mean, when when they're talking about in the Robin Williams documentary, I mean, he was talking about going around L.A. and doing six sets a night. 
but it's like 15 minute spots, so, you know. Yeah. And you so. can do that, but you, I mean, you got to go, like, I probably performed the most in my time between, you know, that I took off. Right. Going to, I was in Washington, D.C., and I just open went to mics. a bunch of yeah. open mics in D.C., yeah. and you could do that. Is that um, the equivalent of it? I think it is. I think it's the equivalent of starting. What I'm saying yeah. is something at the professional level, because sure. there's open mics for comedians too, and so right. you can start on that circuit. But something that allows emerging musicians. It's just, but this is the issue. There's nothing. Like what? No, but what music are you playing? It's like there's different venues. There's more venues for certain types of music than there right, are. Right. Of course, that's true. Um, yeah. Is there sort of what's the corollary here in, with comedy? Like, because there. When I think about comedy, the different types I think about are you've got sketch, you've got improv, you've right. got stand-up, yeah. right? Within music, we then talk about different genres. Yeah. True. Genres and then even within genres, there's different rock. clubs that attract different types of Folk. comedy. Right. I mean, would it have to be genre-centric where people know you're going to... Sh- I mean... It could be a range, I think. For 15 I think minutes, that's the thing you can't have is somebody who's going to take 20 minutes to set up, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 but I think, I think you could have a range of, like... Mm-hmm. Most types allowing for a certain degree of experimentation in a number of directions. Sure. Like even at the comedy store, when we said that there's sort of a number of different types of comedians. Some are storytellers, some right. do kind of dark, introspective <laughs> comedy. Yeah. And you get a range of it when you're there. Right. Yeah. And it's not a total range. Like there's totally different comedy clubs that exist. Right. But you get sort of a spectrum of standard stand up that can yeah. be fairly experimental. Mm-hmm. So. What's the barrier for entry as a comedian to that scene? It gets pretty high. Yeah, I mean, at the comedy store specifically, I don't know, but I think you have to audition and pass to be allowed to play there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think wonder, that's a good barrier, even for this kind of setup, especially if it's at, like, emerging level, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want it... I mean, obviously, you need it to be accessible because you need... I mean, how many people do you have a night? You can have ten people a night. Right. So you need to have bodies, right? You need warm bodies to fill, plop on that stage. But um, and those seats. But yeah, you, if you want to distinguish it from the open mic scene, it can't be a complete amateur hour, right? Right. It has to be pro level. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it also took years for the comedy store to get to, to where get it to is. That. It went through yeah, a bunch of, of like low times, yeah, yeah. you know, in the '90s or whatever. Um, and we just happen to be in a boom right now. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I don't know. But as a model for building a scene. Yeah, no, I think it's a good it builds idea. a community for comedians. Yeah, and, and I imagine that there exists something like that in like New York. I mean, you could argue that sure. there's jazz clubs that basically have that model. Yeah. I mean, I think the one that, you know, one of our friends works at in New York is sort of like that. It's, um, it's like that in that they're active every night. It's not like that in that it's not a. 15 minutes. It's not a rotation. Like a workout camp. club. Yeah. But you'll have maybe two club. people. I mean, most venues work in. That they'll have a couple acts, right? At jazz clubs too. I think so. The ones in Chicago don't, but it could be. It's just one person. There's not even an opener. I mean, Mm because for jazz, you know, you'll sit up there, you'll do three sets, you're calling tunes all night. Mm -hmm. Like that's the whole thing about jazz is it's not like if I prepared a, you know, four hour night of classical guitar, right? No. Well, there brings in another interesting. Oh my god, four hours. (laughs) (laughs) I would want some non-classical guitar in there. I don't think I could handle that as an audience. (laughs) I couldn't either, and I'm a classical guitarist, you know? Yeah. 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 
That's why we need a workout club. Like we need to, we need to be better on stage. So you, well, and then you learn your material. You classical revolution is that. Yeah, it's, it's trying. Yeah, it's, it's just not, just not a not set venue, and it's not a. Oh, I don't know if it's active, but it's not a set. But venue. yeah, I mean, the pop up nature, I think, is a place to start, as long as it goes somewhere. But I think even having a physical location to build. The, f- the physical scene, like yeah. the comedy store in Hollywood or right. the comedy cellar in Manhattan. Because the, the challenge that Classical Revolution has, at least in Chicago, is that, first of all, they're very inactive. All mm-hmm. I ever see is Boxing Day and maybe one other thing mm-hmm. the rest of the year. And it's only the musicians that are right. playing that go. Yep. That's not a scene. No, that's just but it's like, hey, you know, hey guys, why don't you come over and we'll play for each other, right. you know? Yeah. Well, and here's another issue is, like, I feel like there's notorious we talk about notorious musicians by that just the stereotype or maybe the generalization but i feel like you also don't have a lot of musicians wanting to organize these things yeah yeah no i think that's true and i think the other thing also is like we're sold that it's a higher art thing (laughs) so classical revolution i i don't know about you maybe it's just me because i'm uncomfortable but i felt like an you know like it was a bu- it was all people that knew each other and I was the outsider and I couldn't really break into that bubble you know mm-hmm. whereas if it's if it has an actual audience that's there the break into the bubble is not you don't have to impress the people that may or may not want to let you in you impress the audience and right. you're in the bubble yeah and that's really the way it should be it doesn't matter like and then you with the other people have a common goal yes you're all there to do a show for an audience you're right. not there yeah yeah right You're supposed to jerk off in front of each other. You know? <laughs> But I think that also builds community. Yeah, of course. <laughs> she How doesn't could it like not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, vulnerable. Yeah. Should, should we build some community right now? <laughs> Turn off the camera. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think I think the biggest hindrance is you just don't have a lot of people who want to organize it because yeah. we get into this craft because we have we're really good at doing one thing right. and not anything else, and we hone that one skill. Yeah. And it's just that's you get out of school, you got eighty thousand dollars in debt, just throwing that number out, and you don't yeah. know how to do anything. You have to learn everything yeah. at that point. You mm-hmm. know how to actually make a business out of it. All right. Well, I want to do this. How are we gonna do this? Uh, you guys talk. I'm, I'm out. Man. <laughs> yeah, you're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We can we can incorporate medical. Things okay, there. cool. It, it'll okay. be the music and medical yes, store. Good. Yeah. And you can you can <laughs> you can have medical. the bacteria. You can have workout soon. sets. You yeah. can try some new things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Now you're interested. The guy in just walked into a bar. <laughs> Jeez. Um. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, well, I don't know. All right, well, what, what kind of medical know. person I'm do you want to be? Doctor. Do I want to be? I don't know. I mean, as you know, I'm doing um, it mostly for the research side, right. so probably just be an internist of some kind and go into Talk like, about pathology. Pathology's interesting. What's been drawing you to that? Uh, because it pairs the best, or it doesn't pair the best, but it pairs well. I'm doing a PhD as well. So I'm going to be getting, you know, I'm going to be in a lab for a long time. You can be doctor, doctor. I'll be doctor, doctor. And uh, it's just, you know, it's something that goes well. Surgery doesn't go well with an MD-PhD because the, the training to become a surgeon is right. so long. And then you sense. get really good, much like a musician, you get very good at doing, like, a couple procedures. Yeah. And whereas pathology is something, for those who don't know, it's like... Pathologist is going to be the person who looks at the biopsy when you get something or, 
you're going to look at the slides. And so there's a lot of room for research in there because, you know, you learn more about maybe cell biology yeah. and you can kind of go down rabbit holes like that. So I don't know, but a general, some general specialty is the best thing to do for, with a PhD because uh, it opens up the world. general specialty. Like an internal medicine, like an internist, that's like internal medicine, general, spe <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there are more general specialties. I know okay. it sounds like what an oxymoron. What about a special specialty? <laughs> a special specialty would be like surgery, like, like you're an orthopedic surgeon, you specialize. You do surgery on the big toe. Or the shoulder or something like that. I had surgery on my big toe. Yeah, okay. Did you yeah. go to a special specialist? Uh, no. Or a general specialist? Right, yeah, general specialist. Yeah, so I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I don't have to go into that because I know this is a music podcast, but. Yeah, what the um, fuck? <laughs> you asked, man. Wait, maybe you can talk about the mind. I'll talk about Son of Anders. Go check it out. <laughs> Wait, where? Uh, on Apple Music, uh, Spotify, YouTube, Instagram. Oh, shit. I know. <laughs> yep. Um, so I'm curious because we were listening to your podcast, you know, that you did on, you know, reactive versus interactive music. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you get into... I mean, it's a good point. You get into the, basically the idea that uh, maybe consciousness, then you could, it kind of has parallels with consciousness right. in that, does it, well, uh, are you, are you uh, just an algorithm going through the motion of free right. will, basically? Yeah. So I think that's pretty interesting. So you seem to subscribe more to the fact that of what then? Um, uh, I don't buy interactivity. Okay. With Which would be, in this case, would that be free will or? Or so I well. basically don't believe in free will. Okay. And because we are just a set of, al we're really just working uh, um, as an algorithm. I mean, so what I suspect is that we aren't really just algorithms. Mm -hmm. I suspect that there's more to it that we don't know, but I don't know. Sure. sure. It's, it's, that's not a, it's not a statement. Do you suspect belief. that there's something we haven't found out, or it's just the level of complexity of the process? It might be the level of complexity. I don't think that we're even close to modeling general intelligence. Sure. I think that there are, there is an argument to be made for acting as if we do because if you believe that we will get there it has to be a belief at a certain point. Like I have to believe that I'm interacting with you two and that you are listening to me mm -hmm. and reacting mm -hmm. to what I'm saying and it could be anything. Vice versa. Do you believe that? Yes. Yeah, I definitely believe it. it yeah. Or it it it, it yeah. seems as if it is that way. Sure. Well, yeah. yeah. So you have to start believing it at some point. Right. And mm -hmm. so I understand the argument for programmers and people who are working on it now that they might as well start believing it now mm -hmm. because sure. it has to start at some point and we don't know when the lights will turn on, so to speak, mm -hmm. or if they're already on. So you just keep working at it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't seem to me that we are even close to general intelligence. And so I talked to a friend of mine, Richard Savory, and we, have, we go back and forth on this a lot. He does a lot of research into uh, artificial intelligence and music mm -hmm. at uh, Georgia Tech University. Check him out, Richard Savory. Is he uh, in the direction of trying to see if like, artificial intelligence can do what we're doing or as sort of a supplement to what we're doing? I think both okay. uh, in different ways. Yeah. Um, so what I've talked to him about is sort of some ethics of artificial intelligence in music and if you build a robot that improvises you have to not only do what you want with it but allow it to do what it wants mm 
Sure. It's not an idea that makes any sense to me because I don't believe it wants anything. <laughs> right. Anyway, but um, but yeah, he's also working on a, a, a robot that scores films by watching the film and it has various ways of understanding what's going on in the film and creating light motifs for different characters that it can recognize in various ways. It recognizes ways. characters. Mm -hmm. Does it understand um, dialogue? Uh, to a point. Does it understand body language? Uh, I, I don't know how it works specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I can't program in that sophisticated way, but to a point. Can, can yes. Richard Savory program in well, that sophisticated yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, cool. he's getting there and he works with teams. Well, my understanding of like most of the AI is that a lot of it is the black box. Yeah. I mean, even for the programmers, because mm -hmm. they'll they they'll make use of neural networks mm -hmm. and Markov chains and right. things like that, where they're not a hundred percent sure what the process is going on. Right. Okay. But the thing is, once once the output is n feels as if it isn't predetermined, sure, you start to get a sense of interactivity, as long as it also doesn't feel random. Mm -hmm. And that's the that's the the, the balance because if it feels random, it doesn't really feel interactive. Yeah. And right. if it feels like you can predict it every time, it also doesn't feel interactive. Sure. I think that's a good way to think about it, though, because uh, we don't have a good measure of uh, you know consciousness. So like, right. you know, why not? Like you said, like you said that they said it. <laughs> right. You might as well start believing it now. Mm -hmm. um, one th on this one interesting thing um, could that. The, one of my classes uh, actually talked about, we had a lecture from an anesthesiologist who was talking about um, anesthesia, mm -hmm. and that's also a black box. We don't really understand the state that you go into when you are put out for like surgery or something. Um, it's not quite sleep, but it's not quite right. you know, consciousness. And everybody also goes through these four stages called ether stages where you, you, know, you have like pretty set things that happen um, to your body until you're finally um, four. Ether stage four is death, but ether stage three is like where you want to be for surgery. The point being well, is, uh, yeah, uh, the point being is um, you. It was interesting because they were saying, hey, maybe if you understand anesthesia, you could understand consciousness too. Um, sure. Just kind of throwing that out there yeah. for anybody who wants to go into that. But um, well, I don't understand either one. Yeah, but I mean, and that's the point yeah. is, and that's why I almost think that, like, I go, go, yeah. saying it again, I think it's a good thing to to say um, that hey, we don't know, we can't really do gradations of consciousness that well. So right. why not just here's the threshold? I don't understand that it's it sounds random, so it, we'll call it consciousness. Right. Um, and then also there's that theory in neuroscience where like you're, or maybe it's not even a theory, it's just the idea that your brain is already like seconds ahead of, bef of right, you before right. you even make yep, a decision. Yep. So then are you really making the decision? Hmm. So just because of how quickly the yeah. neurons fire. Yeah. And you know, your, your physical like body is not, you're not moving as quite as quickly as, as your, your brain is computing. So even though it feels spontaneous to us, it's already yeah. been decided before yeah, well, we've done it. I think Sam Harris talks about that. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I like it. I yeah. really like the idea that we don't have free will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, and, and the fact that we are maybe just a collection of algorithms that are recursive and maybe just, you know, because there's, right, exactly. you know, and it's just, there's enough circles that it seems it's random. It's a highly complex process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it could be. One, 
you know, with trying to judge the consciousness of, of AI, I mean, like you're saying, we, we don't have this judge for humans. It's just that, like, we think we are, and you are like me, so you must be too. But our, our measure is really, like you're saying, it's just, it feels that way, right? Right. And so... It's just an assumption the that block, the people The block you with the AI is just that we can look at it and say, well, I know that's not a human. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, you know, I'm going to scrutinize it more, but... I mean, is there really a, 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 a other, you know, everybody says the Turing test. Is there actually like a, a scheduled way or, you know, objective way of doing the Turing test? Or is it just that like, oh, it's like if you I having, feel like you're not. If you're having a, com- like you, you can tell a, like a chat, right? Right. Like, but there's not really a prescribed way of determining that. It's just no, a feel. It's a right. Feel, but yeah. I think the power of it is that we all pass the Turing test for each other. Oh, right? hang on. <laughs> this is what we wanted to talk okay. about, Andy. I'm starting to think you might be an android. <laughs> I heard that intro music. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. We hear how you're pronouncing your name. Yes. Very peculiar. No. Yeah. I think I saw a meme that the best way to tell if you're a robot is to split your arm. That's it, huh? Oh, yeah. See the circuitry inside. inside. Isn't this Westworld? Yeah. <laughs> Shout well, out to Westworld. I didn't bring a, uh, my Bowie knife, so I think we're going to have to skip yeah, that yeah. for today's cool. podcast. Yeah. Well, we've been going for almost an hour, we, so uh, do you want to play a little bit and then okay. call it? Call it? What? <laughs> Thank you.
Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Anthony, thanks yeah. For Wait, did you get that posting. in? What? <laughs> thanks for watching. This is Eric Anderson, Mark Anderson. Check him out. Check Anthony out Duo Tandem. Calkins. Yeah, right. Duo Tandem. Yeah. Son of Anders. Yeah. Anthony Calkins. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks for watching. As always, if you liked my content, please hit that like button below, leave a comment, subscribe, check out my other social media. And if you like my content generally, please consider visiting my Patreon and supporting.